good to have a bunch of kids up here, isn't it? If you will, turn in a copy of God's Word to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you are visiting with us this morning, you find us at the end of a um, mini-series on stewardship. We have been talking about stewardship of uh, time, of talents, and treasures. That's a nice little neat way of saying it. Uh, I didn't come up with it, but it's a good way of thinking through um, what we are called to be stewards of. The Lord has entrusted us with time. He has entrusted us trusted us with talents and skills, and he's entrusted us with resources as well, and we are called to be good stewards of all of them. So this morning we will uh, conclude our series as we talk about uh, how to give and the connection between grace and giving. Before we read, though, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless this time. So, Father, we ask that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, we cannot do this on our own. So, Lord, we pray that your Spirit would move in our midst. That by your presence, you would work in our hearts. That you grant me unction and anointing. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, who died and was raised from the dead. Amen. I want to read all of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 for some context here. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about, uh, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has been stirred up, excuse me, has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove vain in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready, we, will be, we would be humiliated to say nothing for you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he, has been, as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the need of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of the service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall indeed stand forever. You'll remember from last week our context. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, uh, and he is writing to them to encourage them to make good on their promise that they had made 
when he was with them, that they would be involved in what was called the Jerusalem Collection. Now, the Jerusalem Collection was a collection that Paul made for, collected for about 10 years during his missionary's journeys uh, to be able to help alleviate the needs of the brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem. See, a famine had struck the area, and Christians there were, were hit with a double whammy, if you will, of not just famine, which affected them all, but also with persecution. So the, the, the Jerusalem church, the sending church, the original church, was hurting, and Paul was going out and asking for those who had been affected and touched by their ministry to remember their brothers and sisters in Christ in their time of need. I was sitting uh, in a doctor's office this week, and uh, I was, there were only two people, me and, or three people, me, and then across from me there was a lady and her probably five, six-year-old little girl. And they were sitting there, and, and the lady had a pamphlet, and it was one of those pamphlets encouraging you to uh, adopt a child from overseas, not bring them home, but, but to adopt financially you know, 25, 30, 40 bucks a month, whatever it is, uh, to help provide for schooling and, and for food uh, for children overseas. And, and it struck me as I was thinking through preparing for this passage and their um, conversation. The mother was encouraging the little girl to, to fork over a few dollars a month out of her allowance to help provide for the needs of this little uh, child overseas. She said, I don't want to do that. She was very honest, you know. She, she would say what we would be thinking. I don't want to do that. And she said, uh, well, why? And the girl started talking about all the things that she wanted to buy with her, her money. She said, what about, you know, if they don't have any food? She said, well, I bet I could help with that. And she said, well, this, that's why we're giving. See, we as brothers and sisters in Christ have a connection with other brothers and sisters in Christ beyond our own four walls. And this is what Paul was talking about. That their brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem, their poor brothers and sisters in Christ who were starving and under persecution, had a need. And the Corinthian church was quite wealthy. The Macedonian church, as we talked about last week, had, had already given according to their means and beyond, to their, beyond their means according to their own will. And Paul says, now it's time for you to help as well. Giving is part of the Christian lifestyle. Giving is part of what it means to respond to the call to be a disciple of Christ. Not just financial, not just resources like we we're going to talk about this morning, but of our time, our talents and treasures, everything that we have belongs to the Lord. That's been our premise, our thesis over these last few weeks. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. So we must even ask the question, is it giving when it's not ours in the first place? Well, there are lots of reasons to give. And this morning I want to explore four or five of those, uh, drawing from several areas of Scripture, from our text and a few others. But we must start with this. This has to be the starting point, is that God is a giving God. God is a giving God. You know the, the, the passage, um, we love God because he first loved us. Well, perhaps we could also accurately say that, that we give because God has given to us. God gives us amazing gifts. And as many commentators have pointed out, we could never outgive God. How could we? 
We can apply that in several different ways, but we can never outgive God, especially in the fact that what has He given to, to us? He has given to us Himself. Look, if you will, at the last verse of our text this morning, verse 15. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. Have you ever uh, been hunters? I'm sure you know this feeling when you're out and the, the sun is coming up and it's just, it's just gorgeous. Or perhaps you've been out in the middle of nowhere, away from the city lights, and you look into the heavens and see stars that you had never dreamt of before. I shared with you last week that uh, this Kenyan mission trip that I went to that greatly impacted my life. And we were all on the edge of what was called the Rift Valley. It runs all throughout that part of Africa. And we're on the very edge of it, overlooking this great plain. And out in the distance, there was an extinguished, uh, an extinct, uh, rather, uh, volcano, Mount Loganot. I still remember its name. And I remember seeing the, the sun come up behind Mount Loganot. And just so pretty. I, I could not use words to describe what I was seeing. And that is what Paul is talking about here. Inexpressible. There are not words left to us. There are not enough words in our vocabulary. There are not enough letters in the alphabet. There are not enough books that we could use. There's not enough space in our libraries to fill the books that would be needed to say how amazing God's gift to us is in Jesus Christ. The greatest verse, or the, perhaps the most well-known of all time, for God what so loved the world that He kept. No, that He gave. He gave His only Son, His only one and only begotten Son, so that we might not perish if we believe in Him. And what would He receive? The, the, the ultimate gift we might receive, eternal and everlasting life. Our God is a giving God. And as we are called to be like Him, as we are made more and more like Him through the process we call sanctification, in which we see our sin more and more, repent of it, and see the loveliness of Christ, and endeavor to live after holiness, as we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next, then how we use our resources have to be part of that package, have to be part of that transformation, for it gets, as we talked about last week, to the very depths of our heart. As the Lord changes our hearts, He changes our habits, He changes our views, He changes our attitudes from the inside out by His grace as we seek Him through what are called the means of grace, the Word, sacraments, and prayer. So we must start here. Anytime we talk about giving, we must start here that God is a God of giving. He is a giving God, and He has given to us an inexpressible gift that we could never fully understand. But we look forward to singing and trying the eternity as we spend eternity with Him. But God doesn't only provide our salvation. See, He also provides for our needs. If we were to have a time of testimony, I would imagine that we would have testimony after testimony after testimony of how God has provided our needs every step of the way. We reminded this in James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. There will be no change in God. He who provided for us yesterday will provide tomorrow. Isn't that great news? We don't serve a God who is whimsical, who just does things uh, capriciously, who, who does things you know, just because he feels like it that day and not the next. He doesn't ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed like we do. 
He's a God who is a giving God. He was yesterday, and he was, and he is today, and he will be tomorrow. Why? For his own glory and for the good of his people. So why should we give? Several reasons, but, but this first one is gratitude. Gratitude for what the Lord has done for us. How could our hearts remain calm when we think about the inexpressible gift that the Lord has given us? How could our lives not be changed? How could we not be generous when the Lord has been so generous to us? You know, so often um, we steer away from talking about money uh, because usually it involves a lot of guilt and a lot of, well, I told you so's. And, but true giving can't come out of guilt. True giving can't come out of um, obligation even. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a, a giver who has been, whom he has changed and is responding to his grace. So we must start with here that God is a giving God. But there are other reasons as well, and I want to explore those in our, in our brief time together. Matthew 6, 19-21 tells us this great principle that, that we should be careful about how we view uh, our money here on earth and how we use it here on earth because, you know what, we can't take it with us. We can't take it with us. Matthew six nineteen through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where tr- thieves not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, the usefulness of our resources, our houses, our money, our possessions, everything we have, it has a shelf life. It has term limits, and it is the length of our days, and we don't know the length of our days. Uh, Randy Alcorn in his book, a wonderful book, um, well, I can't remember, the tra- uh, it's on your handout on the very bottom, um, great book, I commend it to you, I have read it, uh, and he has this great uh, phrase, and he says, or a great illustration, talking about this very thing. He says, you know, if you think about Confederate money during the era of the Confederacy in the South, it had a lot of value. Well, at least at the beginning it did. It had value, and you had to have it in order to buy essential things. It was what you had to have if you're in the South to buy and sell goods. But you know, it had a shelf life. Because at the end of the Confederacy, it no longer had any value whatsoever. And that's how our money is when we die. Even if we could take it with us, would it ever compare to the streets of gold in the New Jerusalem? How could it compare to the glory of the sun? In heaven, you know, in the new heavens and new earth, there will be no sun for, or, for, or no night, for we will have Jesus as our sun for illumination. How, how would it ever compare to these things? We can't take it with us. James El, or Jim Elliot, the great uh, missionary who died, who was martyred, uh, extending the kingdom in uh, Ecuador, said this, He is no fool who, who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. Because here's the thing, as, as Randy Alcorn says, we can't take it with us, but we can send it ahead. We can send it ahead. See, there's, we, can, we can turn, convert, as it were, our resources into something that has an eternal value. Because here's the thing, this is how God, or one of the ways rather, God extends his kingdom. The fact is that that ministry does take resources. 
um, ministry takes resources. And the Lord uses the giving of His people to send missionaries, to call pastors, to pay staff, to keep the lights on, to, to take care of this fantastic building. The Lord uses the giving of His people to accomplish this thing. This is how the Lord extends His kingdom, or one of the ways He does. We see this is how the Lord supplies the needs of His people. Look, if you will, at 2 Corinthians 8, a chapter from where we are now, 8, verses 13 through 14. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, as Paul speaking to the Corinthians, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance, their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As Paul was speaking to the Corinthians, they had plenty of finances. But there were brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem who did not and who were starving to death. And so he was calling them out of their generosity, out of their love for the Lord, to help supply the needs of others. We see that we have a call on the Christian life, especially to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We see this in James 2, Galatians 6, among other places. But you know, the Lord also uses, not only to provide financial and, and physical needs of His people through giving, uh, but also uh, overseas in missions. And even here, as we seek to glorify God and to know Him forever, as we seek to know Christ and to make Him known to Bruton and the surrounding areas, the Lord uses giving to change people's lives forever. I um, emailed several of our missionaries this week to tell them what I was preaching on and, uh, and ask them if they had any good stories about how giving had impacted others from an eternal perspective. The first person I heard back was from Jeremy Martin. Jeremy is one of our new missionaries. He's in Uganda. And he told me the story of a man named Mark. He had visited Mark uh, somewhat coincidentally, as it were, quote-unquote, uh, in the hospital and had prayed for his healing. And you know what? The Lord brought not just healing, but miraculous healing upon this Mark. And then he heard from Mark when he got out of the hospital. Mark came and saw him and asked if, he, if they could start to meet on a regular basis to learn about what it meant to be a Christian. And we support Jeremy. Freddie Boswell, you all know Freddie much, much better than I do. We've been supporting him for a very long time here at the church. He's with SIL, a part of Wycliffe. In fact, he's the director of it. Um, and he was telling me that he knows a man and his wife, Kelly and Priscilla, who were active in personally giving to missions, including Wycliffe. They got so involved, they ended up uh, joining Wycliffe, and now he is the director of Wycliffe's work in Brazil. We are changed by our giving. I love this story, though. He, he said this was one from several years past, uh, but there was Wycliffe work going on in Peru. And perhaps you'll remember, I think it was in the mid-'80s, the problem with the Shining Path group. I, you may know some of those details. But anyway, Wycliffe was pulling its people out. And there was a team that said, okay, we're going to stay one more day so we can show the Jesus film, the Jesus film project, great way to present the, the gospel around the world. And you know, they showed the Jesus film, and they were on their way back, and they got abducted by the Shining Path. Now, the Shining Path people would, would let them go at the end of that day, but they kept their very valuable projection equipment, including the Jesus film. Well, decades would pass, 
And a Wycliffe missionary was, was visiting and talking with a missionary in South Argentina. And they got to talking about uh, how they'd come to know the Lord. And this missionary started talking about how he'd been with the Shining Path and had abducted this missionary. And watched this film that he had. And he was converted out of it. He says, I know the guy that you kidnapped. And now the guy that he kidnapped supports him financially in his work. Who's, he's now a missionary in South Argentina. The Lord uses giving to extend his kingdom. Chris Gill, another one of our new missionaries, he's uh, um, Chrissy's brother-in-law. Uh, he is in Birmingham uh, serving, with, or serving veterans with PTSD and others with what's called moral injury, our veterans. And he emailed me back, and he, he, sh- he talked about how people were getting creative about using their resources. He says, we've had someone pledge their physical resources to help with the kingdom work uh, in the form of a hunting lodge that can be used as a retreat for veterans. We've had a local businessman pledge coffee and donuts. He owns a coffee shop. Uh, as well as pizza and drinks for the veterans meeting uh, when we hold in the city. While they may not be able to give money, they have been willing to give their time and resources to help us along for the kingdom. Can you imagine the conversations that will happen at that hunting lodge late at night? They will bring healing to their souls. Can you imagine uh, the, the talks that they will have about Jesus over that coffee provided by that businessman? All because God's people were generous with their resources. Well, last one, then we'll move on. Bradley Cordell, one of our new missionaries as well. And he said that uh, 20 years ago, Mission to the World, which is our sending agency of our denomination, MTW, sent a small, rather small team to Ukraine to start the work of planting churches. And do you know that their work has now um, blossomed not only into the founding of many churches, but an entire denomination with its own seminary, training new pastors who will then go and raise up the next round of leaders in Ukraine. The Lord uses our giving not just, uh, not just in our hearts. He does that but also to extend his kingdom here and around the world. So often it's hard to remember when we write a check or, or put some money in the, in the, in the plate or, or even pray. The Lord is using these things for his glory. He's using it to extend his kingdom. Well, another reason we give is because it is for our benefit. It is for our benefit. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We find this in our text this morning um, in verse 6. We read this. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's interesting, this word bountifully uh, in the original is not bountifully, it's generously or blessing. That he who sows blessingly will harvest, will reap blessings. Um, you know, this is one of those verses that's used terribly on television. If you ever go on these awful uh, television sh- channels and they have you know, somebody saying, you know, send me a seed donation of $1,000 and you'll start receiving you know, checks in the mail for $10,000 next week. I don't know if you've seen those. Stay away from them. They're charlatans and they're false prophets. That's not what this text is saying. But this text say, is saying that there is a blessing that comes from giving. And we should not expect our finances to thrive if we are not giving. God blesses those who give, not always financially. The blessing may not be financial. 
The blessing may be in other areas of our life. It may be even, even be found in the, sacrifice, in the blessing of sacrificing for other brothers and sisters in Christ. But this text continues to say that, that in verse, uh, verse 10, I believe, let's see, verse 10, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That when the Lord blesses our finances when we are giving, that those blessings are meant to be poured back into the kingdom. He will bless your seed, what? For sowing. That we would, um, in turn, Give those again to the Lord that he might extend his kingdom even more. Verse 11, that we would be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Um, But you know, one of the greatest blessings that we receive from giving is joy. Is joy. The Lord blesses us with joy when we give not just of our resources, but of our time, our talents, and our treasures. When we think about, you know, when we go and help other folks... Now, we don't want to help folks so we will have joy. We're not, it's not an investment in ourselves. But it is a, it is a side product. It's a product of serving the Lord with gladness is that He produces joy in our hearts. And if we sow sparingly, we should expect to reap sparingly. By the way, this is one of the greatest ways uh, when you're having a hard time in life. Depression, trials, problems at home, whatever it is, is go and help somebody. And it gets us beyond our own situation as we seek to minister to others. But finally, we are, it is commanded. It is commanded. Well, those are some reasons why we should give, but, but how should we then give? There, there's a lot here we could say, but for time, I'm just going to mention three. How should we give? The first is pretty clear from, from last week's text and this week, is that we are called to give intentionally. Intentionally. Uh, look at uh, 8 verse 3. 8 verse 3. Um, For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own free will, or of their own accord. Uh, Then flip over to 9 verse 7. 9 verse 7, we read this. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Uh, I was at General Assembly this year, um, and that's our, our yearly meeting of our denomination, and I forgot in my budgeting of what I was going to be taking. They take um, offering at the three services they have, the three, three worship services. And it was just like the illustration of the worst way possible to give. Because as the buckets come around, I'm thinking, oh no, I've got to be seen giving into this bucket. Okay, there's problem number one. <laughs> Secondly, because it's about me and not about giving at that point. Secondly, I've got to save enough money so that I can give at all three services so that I will be seen giving at all three services. Okay, problem number two. These are all sin, okay? See, I'm, this is not a look at me kind of thing. Uh, and, and then third, I hadn't planned about it. I had no clue we were going to have it. I wasn't able to give cheerfully or intentionally. It was a terrible way to give. I think by the third... Um, service, I had uh, finally realized my error and I repented before the Lord. There are lots of bad reasons to give. A lot of bad reasons to give. To earn God's favor, earn His love, to be seen. These are all terrible reasons to give. Um, God's not glorified by those things. Because we should give from the heart. And that's from the same verse 7. Uh, not reluctantly or without compulsion. Reluctantly here in the Greek means to, to grieve. You know, your hand is holding on tight the whole time you're heading towards the, uh, the offering plate, you know. And, um, 
grieving the whole time you're doing it, or reluctantly, uh, or, or uh, you know, under compulsion where someone has guilted you into doing this. The Lord loves a cheerful giver, one who intentionally, out of his own heart, out of gratitude. Not only that, but we are called to give tithes and offerings. There's a difference between tithes and offerings. If you notice, uh, when I pray uh, after our offertory, I will uh, often pray, uh, receive your tithes in our offerings. Let's see what we read from Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Will man rob God? You're robbing me, yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You're accursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour, out, pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You know, it's interesting when we come to the tithe that um, in the New Testament, you won't find an explicit command to tithe, but you never find giving at below the tithe in the New Testament. It's always over and above. We are called to tithe. Tithe means to give 10% of our income to the Lord. And uh, we are called, and I think to make three quick applications here, uh, we are called, uh, if we don't tithe, we are robbing God. It is God's tithe. It is God's 10%. And then we are called to return it to Him. That's not a place you want to be, by the way. Uh, The second is that we are called to bring the tithe into the storehouse, which I think in the Old Testament meant the temple. The tabernacle in, in, in New Testament church, I believe it refers to the church, local church. Uh, and then there are also promises attached to giving, great blessings. Uh, Thereby put me to the test, the Lord says, if I will not open the windows of heaven even for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Um, just to kind of let you know that uh, tithing and offerings, these are things that, that keep the ministry going here at our church. And um, in the past, we've had the um, numbers on the back of the bulletin uh, to let you know about where we stand financially. We probably need to do that again because usually in the summertime, we're usually at a low, just the ebb and flow of giving. But this year, we are a little beyond, a uh, little more than low than, than usual. So you, you should know that. Uh, the budget has not been very healthy these last couple months. So the second thing is an offering. So the tithe is 10%, an offering is anything above it. And you can't give the tithe. You can't give an offering until you've given the tithe. Well, All that to say is that we respond to the Lord and His giving to us, the giving of His Son, by giving to His kingdom. You know, we make investments, and we make investments as we should. We should save for the future. We should save and and, uh, and seek to um, secure provision for our families. We trust in the Lord. But we also should invest in the kingdom because we have been made into a kingdom of priests. And God has redeemed every one of us who has turned to the Lord. If you've never turned to the Lord, if you're not a believer... Uh, your money isn't going to earn your way to heaven. Jesus has paid it all. He's paid it for you. Uh, He has done this on the cross for your sins. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a giving God and you have given to us an amazing way that you have given us yourself and you've given us your son. Lord, as those who have been changed and transformed, Lord, change and transform our hearts that we might be cheerful givers. Lord, that we might invest in your kingdom. We might see your kingdom come. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.